Amen. Thank you for that. I invite you to pull out your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're turning, let me just say again a big thank you to Dr. Beal, the faculty here, the whole administration for allowing me to be here the last day or two. Appreciate that. On behalf of my wife, not able to be with me this morning. She's taking care of her mom a little bit at home, but it was a joy to be here yesterday in the young men's class, my wife with the ladies, have some fellowship with the Beals. And talk to many of you, know many of you on staff and faculty, so thank you again for the honor and privilege to be here to preach and to minister, and I appreciate all the faculty and staff over the years as well as right now. I appreciate the student body, many of you that came up, said some kind and gracious words, got to know you a little bit, and glad to be here. It is good to see John, and as I mentioned yesterday in Preacher Boys class, our very first uh, uh, when we started a winter youth retreat, I'm sorry, youth, uh, yeah, winter retreat, we started doing it here. We did about 13 of them. Uh, Dr. Beal was our very first speaker back before he was president here. He was dean of men, and then we started a winter youth rally. Uh, maybe a few years after that, and Evangelist Dwight Smith was our first speaker at that. And so I've always had many good resources being close to ambassador over the years. Many of the faculty, many of the, even some of the young men we'd have come, maybe when they were senior, we've had a couple of them come up and do our chapels at Temple Baptist School, even come over and do the, uh, the winter retreats when he was about 15 minutes away. And so I appreciate again the ministry. I appreciate the influence it's had obviously on our oldest daughter, my son-in-law, our family as well. And I appreciate their stand on the things of God. You guys are very aware that it is November the 30th and that tomorrow it's December. You know, something happens when you're in college in December. You know, I remember those years. I remember being 20 hours away from home at Pensacola. And boy, man, it hits December and you're just excited to go. You know it's close. The end is near. You've still got projects. You've got exams. But boy, you can just about taste that. I'm ready for Christmas break and all that comes with that and family and friends and that. So finish strong. Finish well. I know what it's like. You're ready to go and your eyes on that. But you still got a lot of things between now and then. And so finish well. Stay faithful. Do your best to to finish well and, and then hit the road. And have a great Christmas break. We trust the Lord will give you a great time refreshment with family and friends uh, to wherever you are at. Well, by now you're at 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And I'll tell you, the last time I preached here, I definitely don't remember the massive uh, clock thing back there. That's awesome, all right? That's just, no, that's just for me. Well, I need, but if the people at our church knew that, they would put that in, all right? Um, but we, we have a really little one at the front, and uh, I just don't see it as often. That thing is awesome. So uh, hopefully it'll, it'll help me today, all right? Uh, get, get you out of here on the right time. But I appreciate the liberty to be able to preach. 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's read the first seven verses here this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1 will primarily be in this chapter. We'll jump around a little bit, but this will be our main text here this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have here what's believed to be, and I believe so, to be Paul's final epistle, final letter. 
He's in prison. His end is near. We know that chapter 4, he knows my departure's near. Uh, we know he's going to be martyred very soon after this. This is a very personal letter, his last letter under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing from prison to Timothy, not his physical son, but his son in the faith, dearly beloved, all like a son. And he's writing to him. And boy, we can see that there in verse 2. You're my dearly beloved. I thank God. He could say honestly, I, I pray for you night and day, Timothy, by name. We're not together, but I pray for you. I love you. I, I greatly desire to see you, verse 4. I'm mindful of thy tears. Now, what that means exactly, I don't know. But he had gotten word of that. He knew that Timothy uh, also was just, oh, over the, what's going to happen? The end is near. They're, they were not together. He looked at Paul as his father, if not his, certainly his physical father, his spiritual father. I, I want to see you. I, I know your tears. I know your grief. I know what will happen. I'm filled with joy, though, when I think of you and your service for the Lord. And he brings back some memory, right? I want to put you in remember. Don't forget, Timothy. Boy, your mom, your grandmother. Boy, the faith they had, the heritage you have. From a child, you knew the Holy Scriptures. They taught you faithfully. I remember that first encounter we had at Lystra and how you began to follow and you traveled with us. And those years, and now as you're in the ministry and you're serving, and it's not an easy ministry, Timothy, but I remember that. And I know that you have that same faith. And then verse 6, sort of where we're going to go this morning. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. There's several things, Timothy, I want you to remember. Now, you know these things, Timothy, but I want to remind you of those. And that's my message this morning. Three reminders for the believer. Three reminders this morning for the believer. Number one, right there found in verse number six, we'll look at that briefly, have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into the message this morning. Wherefore, he's finished with the introduction, he's finished with some of the things there that were important, but now we're going to get to the thrust of the message inspired by the Holy Spirit. Timothy, Timothy, I want to put you in remembrance of several things. Number one, stir up, stir up the gift of God. Number two, we're going to look at verse number 13, hold fast. Hold fast, and number three, we'll look at chapter two, verse number three, endure hardness. Stir up, hold fast, and endure hardness. Father, I pray now in these next few moments this morning. Lord, I thank you for the privilege, the honor to be able to be behind the pulpit here in Bastard Baptist College. Lord, I pray you would use me today in the few moments I have, Lord, which you've laid on my heart. Lord, speak through me. Lord, I know I'm just a voice piece for you, Lord. Help me to properly handle your word. Lord, use the message this morning for both the faculty, the students, those maybe watching, Lord, from home. And Lord, I pray that each one that's saved, each one that knows the name of Christ that's born again, Lord, I pray this morning they be put in remembrance of some important truths for every one of us, Lord, every single one of us that's a child of God. And Lord, may we not forget these, though the days be dark, may the times be wicked, though times may be hard, Lord, and the future may be dim, but Lord, may we keep our eyes on you. And we not forget, Lord, these three truths we'll look at this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Number one there, verse number six, stir up the gift of God. Unusual wording there, stir up, stir up the gift of God. That word stir up means to, to rekindle, uh, to stir up those coals. You know, right now you're having a little bit of a cold spell for down here. Typically when we come to Shelby, now my wife and girls are always freezing, all right? And I know that sometimes, I mean, we have more blankets than a lot of places, all right? 
and they're always cold, Woo, you know, and I'm not, I'm, you know how that is, you probably have that in your house, mom, dad, and they're always freezing, so when we get ready to come down here, they're like, oh, it's going to be nice and warm, a lot warmer, well, you know what, it's, it's just as colder, colder here <laughs> than it is up near Scranton, and so they're, Woo, they're pretty chilly down here, so maybe your family, now that I'm here, not as many folks maybe have fireplaces, not as common, but still, you might have a, a propane fireplace or gas fireplace, so you just hit the button or the remote today, all right, and do that, uh, but you might have a wood burner, you might have a fire place insert wood stove you may enjoy having fires we've we've always had one I love that and you know what uh, a lot of times I'll get the fire going in the morning now we don't have a one that does the whole house but we have one there that they'll do the living room some place where it gets cold and so I'll start that fire and then usually usually I'll say now Emily our youngest home Emily now you make sure you keep the fire going <laughs> or I'll call home and say hey is it still going and you know what normally happens whoops <laughs> I forgot dad uh, and you get home and Time to start another one. All right, you know you got to got to check those things. You got to watch it. You know you got to if the coals are getting down there, you got to stir it up. You got to put in some kindling again. Got to put a little paper real quick because if you let it die completely, oh, it takes a lot more work to get it going. That word stir up there has that same idea. A blowing on the coals. All right, hey, there's still a few in there. I put my hand. I feel a little bit of heat. All right, I get a little piece of stick, and oh, there's some hot coals in there. All right, we'll put a little bit in there. We can blow it a little bit. We can stir that up there a little bit. We can get it going again. We can stir up the embers. The idea here is the admonition for Timothy is, Timothy, I want to challenge you. I want to admonish you. I want to exhort you. I want to put you in remembrance. Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, Paul was an apostle. He had apostolic authority, and this was through Paul. And we know today that does not happen. We receive our gifts. And we'll look at that from the Holy Spirit as a believer. But he said, I want to stir. Timothy, you have a gift. You have gifts. Obviously, there's something here the whole Lord had put upon Paul's heart. Timothy going through some challenging times. Timothy going through some hardships. Timothy going through some times of trial. Maybe, maybe pulling back a little bit. Maybe not being all that God wanted him to be. Maybe uh, get feeling the pressure. Maybe understanding that Paul is in prison. They're beginning to round up believers. Uh, Paul's the main guy. I'm, I'm, I'm well known with Paul. Uh, I could be next. I mean, this is a time it would be easy to cower. It would be easy to sort of set back and not be as bold. And uh, Timothy, I want to challenge you. Stir up the gift of God. Exercise that gift. Use that gift. Don't let it uh, die down. Don't let it just get cold, Timothy. A fire will die if left to itself. Must be continually stirred up, must be continually fed. And so it is with the gift that God or gifts that God has given us. You know, every believer, the Bible makes it clear, every believer, every child of God has at least one spiritual gift, one or more. Every believer has at least one. That gift is given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes that clear. We won't have time to take a look at all those passages in depth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts. There's a lot of ignorance among believers about spiritual gifts, all right? And 1 Corinthians 12, even 13 and 14 deal a lot with that. The different gifts that are given by the Spirit, by God, to give however He chooses, as He wills, those grace gifts, if it would be, that He gives out His own discernment. They're differing. They're different gifts to different people. But just like our body has different members, they all have their own purpose. They're not all the same. They have different functions and different ministries. So God gives His children gifts for the body of Christ. And so every one of us has that. We receive that, I believe, right at salvation. 
Uh, hold your spot here. We'll be coming back here, but go with me backwards a little bit to Romans. Romans chapter 12. We'll primarily be in 2 Timothy, but I want to look at this very quickly. We'll not be able to look at each of the passages that deal with spiritual gifts. That could be a series. That can be a, a semester, certainly, on looking at that. And, and not only the abuses today among some of spiritual gifts and sign gifts and ones that we believe are temporary, no longer needed now that we have the completion of Scripture, but uh, the Bible talks a lot about those gifts. There may be some here today you say, I have no idea. I don't really know much about this. I don't know what mine are. I mean, people say it. I'm not really sure. You know, and sometimes we can confuse natural talents and abilities. You know, wow, wow, look at that. You, you ever do that? If you have a little contest, let's everybody draw. You sound like you did gingerbread houses. I didn't get a chance to look at them. All right. Uh, but some of you, we just say, here's a piece of paper, draw. And we hold them up. You, some of you will be like, Ugh. all right. Others will be like, wow, how'd you do that? You're very gifted at that. I don't know. It just, it just came to me. All right. Or music. You might say, hey, you're really good at that. Or, hey, wow, very, I can't believe you can do that. Now, sometimes those are just, those aren't spiritual gifts necessarily. Uh, drawing or fine arts or athletic ability. God gives those to everybody. Lost people have those. All right. But a spiritual gift is given to his children at salvation for a particular purpose to be used to serve the Lord more effectively, for the glory of the Lord, to be used to edify and build the local church especially. And here in Romans chapter 12, we see uh, this being addressed. Take a look at Romans 12, verses 3 through, oh, verse number 8. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now we know this is to believers. Chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, brethren, this is to every believer, believers, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Have that high opinion of yourself. It'd be tempted, especially in the area of gifts, talents, and abilities, to maybe look around and say, well, I'm, I'm a lot more brighter. I'm, I have a more talent and gifts. Or these folks, poor folks, they don't, they don't have a lot of ability and, and to be boastful, to be arrogant. And we see that admonition here. We'll pick it up again in verse 3. But to think soberly, properly, biblically, humbly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Remember, it's called a what? A gift. A gift means you didn't earn it. If, 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 if you have a relative pass away and you get an inheritance of $50,000 and you come up and give your testimony, I want to praise the Lord, whoa. Now, that was a gift. You didn't do anything to get that. You're not any better than anybody else in here, even though you might have $50,000. Now, you might walk around, though, and that $50,000 could puff you up. That could make you think, wow, I'm a lot better than a lot of people. I have a lot more resources. Maybe I can buy some major things. It could very easily make you proud. You could very easily have a higher opinion of yourself, but you didn't do anything to earn that money. That was given to you. That was just a gift. And so it is with spiritual gifts. God gives those to us. You're nothing special because you have a gift or a gift. In fact, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. You might have several gifts that God has given you to serve him more effectively. That doesn't make you more important or God loves you more. He has given those to you. You have a greater responsibility to use those properly and to think properly. In verse number four, we go back to Romans 12. For as we have many members in one body, yeah, we have, we have thumbs, toes, and we have all kinds of body parts, all one body though, and all members have not the same office, not the same function. The thumb is not the same as the ear, the eye, not the tongue, the ankle, the knee. Those are all different, but they're all needed. They're all necessary. Some may appear to be more important than the others. Some may receive more admonition, like, wow, that's, that's better, that's, but yet they have a purpose. And so we see that spiritually, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Verse number 6, in case you think you don't have a gift. Having then gifts. 
you have a gift. Having then gifts, believer, differing, but they may not be the same as the person you're sitting beside. They may not be the same as your friend or your spouse. May be completely different. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then we have here a list of seven. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the propitiation of faith proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on your ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness you might have one of those gifts you might have more than one of those gifts you need to use those gifts for the glory of lord and notice the admonition timothy i'm challenging you to stir up the gift of god Alexander McLarlin says, It is to Paul inconceivable that any Christian should not possess and be conscious of possessing some endowment from the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit, which will fit him for and bind him to a course of active service. God gives these gifts or gifts to each of his children to enable them to serve him more effectively, to edify and build the body of Christ that he, God, may be glorified. We're back in Timothy. You can flip back there. You need not turn to Peter. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, another quick passage that deals a little bit with gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift. As every man, every believer has received the gift, even so minister, serve the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister or serve, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Now, in First Peter, it just has two categories, speaking and serving. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. But you have a gift or you may have multiple gifts given by the Holy Spirit to you for a very particular purpose and use to bring God the glory. And it says he is expecting us as believers to be good stewards of that gift or gifts. We're to be a steward. We're to be faithful steward of what he's given us. Now you may be here today and say, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. I never really heard much about that. I've never been taught a lot about that. Uh, I'm, I'm a little weak on that, or I'm a new believer. I'm not sure about that. Or I, I've, I've heard a lot of the misinformation or things from other movements, charismatic movements, and so we get scared when we talk about spiritual gifts because we don't want to go there or have that error. Yet the Bible makes it clear that we have a gift or gifts given from God, the God of giving, to his children to enable us for service more effectively to build his kingdom for the gospel's sake, the church. And now the question is, young people, faculty, everybody, are you using that gift or gifts? Are you exercising that gift or gifts? Are you abusing it? Are you neglecting it? Are you not aware of it? Perhaps you've let it die down. Perhaps you've gotten weary. Perhaps you've just sort of like a fire. At one point you were excited and fully gone. Maybe something happened. A little hardship, someone hurt your feelings. Uh, you, you did it, you're like, well, that was a flop. And so you say, I'm shutting that down because human nature is, uh-oh, I got made fun of it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just going to sit. Let somebody else do it. I don't know what was going on here with Timothy exactly. You can read the book. But Paul, through discernment, Timothy, I know you love the Lord. You're dear to me. You've walked beside me. You've trained with me. You've been a great help and blessing in the ministry. Timothy, I know you're in a, a, a difficult ministry right now. It's, there's some challenging times right there. You're pulling back. I know there's persecutions ramping up. But I want to put you in remembrance to stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. I've heard it said it's like a cup of hot coffee or hot tea. Some of you are probably well known for your coffee mug or, or holding that all the time. 
You know, but, and I know we have nice things today that can keep them hot for a long time. But still, if it just sits there, eventually what's going to happen? It's going to get cold. I remember, remember Mr. Buck, John, <laughs> always had his coffee mug, all right? And it'd always be around the school. And how many times he'd put that thing in a microwave throughout the day? Oh, I forgot about it. Get it warm again. Oh, get it warm. I got to get it warm again. All right, he was pretty well. And he was a business manager at Temple, still is. And like, hey, that thing died down. I got to get it warm up again. It's, it's not, it's not going to do any good in that form. And so God has given you a gift or gifts. Now, you might need to talk to your pastor, pastor's wife, a faculty member, and say, you know what? I'm not really sure about this gift thing. How, how do I know what those are? Uh, how do I know what's valid today? How do I know? How, just, how do I figure that out? All right, many of you are getting ready to go home on, on Christmas break. And you know what? You're going to be tempted to go home and just be like, I need a break. And you do need a break. And breaks are good. God, Christ took rest. And you do need to do it. You may say, oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I need to, uh, you're going to go home, but you're going to be home for three, four, five weeks. I don't know how long it is. Not everybody may be going home. And you know what? You're going to go home and your pastor is going to look forward to you coming home from Bible college. You've got some gifts and service and your church may be little or your church may be hurting or there may be some, and your pastor's looking forward to you coming home and you're going to be like, you know what? I just want to go home and do nothing. Now, you know what? You might need a week to do that. And you might need some time, but listen, he may be excited about you doing some music or filling in a little bit or being in the choir. And you used to be before you went to Bible college and then you come and a lot of people, they just sit. Or they're like, hey, we need you to fill in. Could you preach? Could you teach? And you're like, you know what? I just, I just need to take a break from that. You know, you know, and I was in youth ministry for many, many years and I was at Christian schools. You know what? So you know what I used to get weary of? Uh, Christmas break, uh, taking a break from school. I'd go somewhere, even in summer, and they'd find out, and they, you know what they want me to do? Games, skits. I'd be like, I'm so tired of doing this. <laughs> Can I get a break? Why? Because you're the youth pastor. You got lots of games. Come on. I'd be like, eh, eh you know. <laughs> you know. But I got to realize the way of it. Now that's not a spiritual gift necessarily. But you know what? That's what my training is, and that's my background. I do have a lot of that stuff. It is nice sometimes, but that's what God has enabled me to be able to do. I need to use it for God's glory. If you're a beautician, guess what? People are going to ask you to cut their hair all the time. My mom's a beautician, my sister. Doesn't matter if they're retired. Hey, can, Grandma, sis, can you cut our hair? <laughs> That's what they do. If you're a car mechanic, people are going to come to you and say, hey, can you take a look at my car? All right? You say, that's pretty normal. That's what you're, yeah, I need computer help. I go to the computer guy. All right? Well, guess what? You've got some spiritual gifts. And your pastor and people in your church are coming to you and saying, oh, what a blessing. You might say, I know, but I, I need a break. I need not, but, but you need to use those gifts. Stir up the gift of God. Are you using your gifts? Are you joyfully, actively serving and using the gift right now, perhaps at this college or in the church that you're in right now? All right? You might say, oh, I don't want to do it. How do I know what my gift is? Well, you know what? You've got to get involved in ministry. How do you know if you have the gift of teaching? Guess what? You need to be thrust into teaching. And so you teach, and then when you're done, you think it was a flop, and three people come up and say, whoa, that was great. I didn't know you could do that. He said, really? And three kids said, well, that was really good. Said, oh, uh, let's try it again. Maybe you have the gift of teaching and pulling things out. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. How will you know you have a gift of mercy unless you're actively serving amongst the folks and you have some compassion and mercy? That other, how do you know that you don't have the gift of some of these? You've got to be thrust into ministry. Most of the time we, we don't want to do those things. Oh, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. But God has given you a gift or gifts to serve him. We're to serve him joyfully. We're to serve him actively. We're not to just put it aside and say, I'll do it later because we don't know when later will be. And you don't know how long you're going to be here and when the Lord's going to return. And so we are to serve the Lord joyfully and actively for his glory. And so I want to challenge you this morning, stir up the gift of God. 
Maybe you need to again go home and say, Pastor, I need a little break here. My mind's blah from college, all right? I just need to not think, not look at anything. I just, yeah, that's great. Everybody needs that. Even the faculty members, they're ready too, believe me. All right. <laughs> All right, need that break and not have to worry about grades and all that kind of stuff and family and child and get a little sleep. I understand that, but not long term. Get serving the Lord. Stir up the gift of God. Exercise, use it for his honor and glory. Don't abuse it. Use it, find out what it is. And Paul is challenging Timothy here and I challenge you this morning, stir up the gift of God, which is you number two, we must hurry. Number two, take a look at verse number 13. Verse number 13. Second admonition, second thing to remember here for the believer is hold fast, hold fast that form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Now I'm preaching through Jude on Sunday nights at our church and God has really been opening some things to me uh, about this phrase here you'll see, hold fast the form of sound words. You'll see this a lot through the Paul's epistles. Uh, it could be, say, sound doctrine. It could say the truth. It could say the faith. It could say the traditions. Those all have the idea of the same thing. It's that body of truth given by Christ and the Holy Spirit to the apostles, to the prophets, to the church, the faith, the truth, the sound doctrine, once and for all, once delivered unto the saints, unchanging. He's saying, old Timothy, hold fast the form of sound words. Hold fast. I think we understand exactly what that means. Have a strong grip. Hold it firm. Don't let it slip away or be taken away. Be on guard. I remember one time we had a messorama activity. It was just all kind of messy, filthy, nasty games, all right? And we had an obstacle course that went off the soccer field into some woods down there. Made it as nasty as you could. Mud the whole way. Uh, I mean, just you want it to be disgusting by the time you're done. All right? And it's a time thing, and you're crawling through rotten food and fruit and junk. And I mean, just nasty. It's a messorama. Come on, what's wrong with some of you? All right? It's a messorama. Well, one of the things we did, we, we you had to have two eggs, carry two eggs. All right? Put them in your pocket, put them in your hand, put them in your armpits, wherever you want to do. All right? And go through the whole thing. And when you get done, hey, you got done in a minute 18. Let's see how many of your eggs are still, okay. If both eggs were, had been unbroken, then we shaved a lot more time off, all right? And what was the idea? You're going to go through some hardship and times here, but you've got to try your best to hold fast and protect something that is valuable, not to just, now some of you know you're thinking, who cares, crush them, go fast, big deal, all right? But the point was, that was the point, all right? It's something important, it's something valuable, it's precious. You're going to go, it's going to be jostling around, you're going to be hitting things. At the end, when you're all done, oh, look, it's still exactly the way it should be. Hold fast, Timothy. Hold fast, child of God. Hold fast, believer. What? The form of sound words. God's word, the doctrines of the scriptures, the faith. Hold fast to that. Don't let it slip away. In verse 14, it uses the word keep, guard, protect. God has given to us his word. It's unchangeable. Inerrant, infallible. He's preserved it for us. It's not going to change. The world wants to change it. There's going to be the world, the flesh, and the devil, but we're supposed to hold fast to that. Hold fast to that. Sound words, God's words, God's doctrine, God's truth, the faith. If you wanted to go back and look at this, go through Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus, and you will see reference after reference that deal with doctrine, sound doctrine, the doctrine, the faith, the truth. That's all referring to the body of truth given to us. From the Lord, the Holy Spirit, for all time. We're to keep that. We're to guard that. 
We're to hold fast to that. Now, your age, you might say, you know, I'm still learning some of that. I'm in college. That's why I'm here. I'm learning about doctrine. I'm learning about theology. I'm having to do some doctor, doctrinal papers. And what do I really believe? And do I really believe that? And you might be tempted just to put out the paper. You're still young in your faith, perhaps. You know, I know what mom and dad believe. I know what the college believes. I know maybe what my church believes. Maybe I believe some of that. Maybe I'm still wondering why exactly is that true? How do I know? Hold fast the form of sound words. Hold fast, hold fast. My wife and I were married in 1995, not too far up the road in Shelby. Her parents attended Emmanuel, but Emmanuel's building at that time was very little. They hadn't added on, so it was too small for the wedding. So we rented Putnam Baptist, which I think that church has changed its name, Putnam Baptist in Shelby. We just rented it for the, the wedding. And so all, everybody came in. We had our rehearsal dinner at Satterfields, which I see is no longer there, off 74. And uh, we had a rehearsal dinner there. And so we go back. We were staying at the Hampton Inn there by the Cleveland Mall. I don't know if it's still the Hampton or not. And uh, my groomsmen were all with me, and we were getting ready to go. We were going to golf the next morning. That was important, all right. Get in nine holes of golf there in Shelby before the wedding. All the guys and the pastors were having a good time. And so uh, we're getting ready to walk in. It's probably nine o'clock, and we're walking on the little walkway by the pool when all of a sudden my groomsmen assail me. All right. And I sort of knew, I, I don't know if I knew what was going on, but I, I reacted and I grabbed onto the railing because they were getting ready to try to throw me in the pool. I don't know if it was a last minute, you know, bachelor thing or we're going to get you. And I mean, I, hel I held on. I mean, I there's video footage somewhere. I've seen it. All right. I'm holding on for everything I have. Death grip. No way. No way. Well, you know what? I held on as long as I could. And, but I couldn't beat five or six guys that were determined. They threw me in the pool, clothes, shoes, wallet and all. All right. I mean, just, all right. It's like, oh, man. Thanks, guys. All right. And uh, you know what? I, I, I held on. I held on as long as I could. Now, you and I are not necessarily being pulled into a pool, but I'll tell you, the pool of the world, the compromise, uh, the pool of the devil, the pool of the flesh, the pool of everyone else around us trying to get us to, oh, come on, or this. There's a, always going to be a pool. There's always going to be a pool, even from within our wicked flesh, not counting the world and the devil, to not hold fast and guard and protect the Word of God. Sound, biblical, true doctrine. You and I need to hold fast. We shouldn't let it slip away. We need to be on guard. Well, you and I are going to get weary. You're going to get tired. The battle is going to get hard sometimes. You may not have experienced that a whole lot yet right now. All right, you'll hear people up here talk about it, your faculty members. Oh boy, the ups and downs, the weariness and things. You read this Bible and you read about that in Paul's own ministry. You think, oh, it's going to be fine. Well, it's going to be fine, do what God said, but there's going to be hard times. Did you look back at verse number eight? Verse number eight, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. There's going to be afflictions, Timothy. You're experiencing those. There's hardship, there's trials, there's persecution, there's loneliness. There's folks that you, you dear friends, are going to fall by the side. Now think, right, you're not better than them. There's going to be people that you counted on that left the faith. There's going to be some that departed or compromised. It's not always going to be easy, Timothy. And maybe you're growing weary of that and you're wanting to quit. And Timothy, you're questioning God's call on you. Timothy, stirring up the gift of God. You've let it die down. God's given you a gift. You need to use it for his honor and glory. Timothy, you need to hold fast. Maybe I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm seeing some slippage. I'm seeing you, you maybe get a little weary of the battle and say, oh, let somebody else do it. Or I don't know if I should still hold to this. It's costing me some things. Hold fast that form of sound words. You know, Christianity is not progressive. It doesn't progress with the times because God's word is eternal. 
His body of truth he gave us is unchanging. God's not bored with the doctrine he's given us. God's not bored with our worship. It doesn't have to fluctuate and say, well, the world says, no, 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 God, God gave it to us. It's unchanging. doesn't mean we can't freshen things up and have excitement and enthusiasm. doesn't mean that, but we need to do it God's way. Trust God in his word. We need to hold fast to that. The world, the flesh, the devil, they're out to dislodge, corrupt, destroy, hide the truth. You may look at some of your classes here on doctrine. It's boring. You know, let's get to, let's get to you know, how to, how to have marriage and children. Uh, let's get to, uh, how to, you know, how to teach this. Or let's, let's get to some neat stuff, you know, biblical temperaments, doctrine. Uh, who needs doctrine? Doctrine is very important. Absolutely. You need to be in those classes. You need to listen. You need to pay attention. You need to really think about that and standards and convictions. And you need to dig in the Word of God. And you need to get serious about that. And you don't believe so. You go through the Paul epistles here and you look up the word doctrine every time. And you see how important that is. Hey, take a page or two to your right very quickly here. We must go fast. Look at the last chapter, 2 Timothy. Probably some of the most famous words that Paul ever wrote. Probably many of you have preached on this. You've heard preaching on this. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. But what did Paul, the old warrior, say himself? As he saw the executioner coming, perhaps. I have fought a good fight. Folks, it's a fight. I have finished my course. Notice, but here it is. I have kept the faith, the body of truth given to me, delivered as an apostle. I've kept it. I've guarded it. I've protected it. I've contended for it. And I can say at the end, I, by the grace of God, not to boast, I have kept the faith. But night. My departure, it's time, I'm, I'm gone. Passing it on to the next generation. Will you cherish it? Will you understand it? Will you understand who have died for it? Do you understand what God has given it to us for? I'm committing it and delivering it to you for the next generation. I have kept the faith, but Timothy, you're younger. Timothy, you need to stir up the gift you've let die down. Timothy, you need to hold fast to the doctrine which was given those sound words in our third and final one there found in chapter 2, verse number 3. Timothy, you need to endure hardness. Timothy, you need to endure hardness. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Similar to the second one there, but I'll be quick and be... Finish this up. You need to endure hardness. There is hardness. You know what? I remember getting into Bible college. Boy, youth ministries major, PE minor. I remember that. All my classes and getting into things. I can't wait to, woo, you know, get, hey, that's great. Got energy, got excitement. Uh, listen to preachers and people coming into classes and all those kind of things and getting opportunities for my church. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be great. You know what? And we understand that. And I, you hear people say, be careful, be fight. Same messages maybe I'm preaching. And you sort of think, well, we'll see. It's going to be great. You know what? It says endure hardness. Be strong in the grace. Hold fast. We know there's afflictions. We know there's trials. We know there's tribulations. We know there's going to be tough times. We know it can get discouraging. Now, we're not here to discourage you from going into the ministry, from serving God. God wants us to serve Him. I hope you know the call God has on your life. Uh, that call's not going to change even if you decide you don't want to do that. God's called you. But we need to, as believers, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Right there it tells us we're soldiers. That tells us we're in a battle and there's an enemy. doesn't matter if you don't want to be in it. You're a soldier. You're in the battle. There's a war. There's enemies. We need to endure. Endure hardness. Endure it. What did Christ say in John? In this world ye shall have tribulation. You've experienced that, some of you. Maybe you haven't. 
There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be loneliness. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be gossip. There's going to be slander. There's going to be sometimes hurt feelings and emotions. There's going to be some people you entrusted to. You're going to mess up yourself. You're going to be a failure at times. You're going to just want to quit and walk away. You're going to say, that was a flop. That message, that teaching was a disaster. All right, I got angry. I said something I shouldn't. I hurt feelings of somebody. I'm no good. You're going to battle all those kind of things. The devil will be glad to whisper anything you want to hear. You're no good. It's not worth it. You make more money here. You're not talented. You're not gifted. What are people going to laugh? Anything you want. Your flesh. Yeah, yeah. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Stay the course. Hardship's going to come. You need to know that. Hardship will come. Are you ready for it? Have you experienced any of it? Now, it could be because you're not really in the battle. It could be because you're just sitting on the sidelines playing it safe. Nobody says anything negative to you. Well, you're probably not really in the game, if I could put it that way. All right? You're just sort of maybe just sitting. Let everybody else do it. And, and they do it. You say, I don't want to be a leader. Well, you know why? Because leadership, everything begins and ends with leadership. All right? I mean, I don't know if you have uh, in your little groups. I can't remember what they're called. Not called collegians here. What are they called, your group? Leagues. They have league presidents. They vote people in. Okay. Well, you know how that goes a lot of times. <laughs> Who wants to do that? <laughs> maybe a few. Hey, but if not, there's a responsibility with that. Uh, you have to make decisions, and everybody's going to like that. Even in that area, it's not even that spiritual, all right? Got to make a decision. Uh, we don't want to do uh, Who picked that gingerbread design, all right? Uh, boom, you're like, oh, I'm feeling the pressure, all right? <laughs> Let somebody else do it. And that's just gingerbreads, all right? That's just little things in life. That's just a little game you're going to do. Yeah, I'll let somebody else do it. That didn't go so good. Think about the spiritual battle. Think about some of your pastors, how about your pastor's wives, some of your missionaries, some of the faculty members? Boy, you've got to take a stand. You're the lead. You get a lot of pressure, a lot of people talking. Hey, is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it. God's called you. He's enabled you. You have a gift or gifts. Stir it up and use it. Hold fast to sound doctrine. Don't let it slip away. Know what you believe. Hold to it. Don't waver. Don't compromise. Don't let a little leaven in the leaven the whole lump. And number three, you and I need to endure hardness. Hey, there's times of mountaintop experiences, but there's valleys. There's times of great blessing and seeing fulfillment. There's times of barrenness and famine. And it's going to be easy to, to run. It's going to be easy just to quit. It's going to be easy to say, I've, I've done my time. I'm sure faculty members, you know what? <laughs> Been done this long enough. <laughs> Let somebody come in. That's a temptation to older folks in churches, right? Boy, I've done it for years. It's time for somebody else to take over. Well, I think we need to train the younger generation. Folks need to do that and step in. But that doesn't mean it's time to quit or retire. God's given you a gift and you have the ability to do that. And your health's doing it. You serve the Lord. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't compromise. Don't surrender. Don't get bitter. Don't get grouchy and angry. Serve the Lord with joy. While enduring hardness, while being strong in the Lord, while holding fast and stirring up the gift that is in you. Why? Because God is able. You know, I didn't give us the one. I only gave you three he is ables on Tuesday, but we'll finish in verse number 12. This will be it today, and we'll conclude 2 Timothy 1, 12. You know this verse. Some of you, it could be a life verse. Paul says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. I'm in jail. I'm in prison. I've been stoned, shipwrecked, beaten, abandoned, lonely. Do you want me to go through the list? For the cause of Christ, I press on. It is worth it. I'm not ashamed. I know what's going to happen. I'm willing to do that for the cause. I suffer these things for Christ. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him 
against that day. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, not yours, mine, that God had for me. And I've kept the faith. And the question is, will you be able to say that? Young or old, I've used the gift or gifts God's given me for his honor and glory, not always perfectly. Sometimes I got proud. Sometimes I let it neglect. Sometimes I got my feelings hurt and just said, Phooey, I'm not going to do it anymore. But I know that God's given me that gift or gifts. I need to use it for his honor and glory. He needs to get the glory, and I pray I can use it for him. I need to stir that up. Don't let it just die down. I need to hold fast. Maybe I just think doctrine's not that important. And I'm, I'm drawn to just the, the fun stuff, uh, entertainment of the world, and even, even new evangelical. I just like that kind of stuff. Hold fast to sound doctrine. The word, you need to know it. You need to know what you believe. You need to hold fast to it. You need to have deep-seated biblical convictions, and you need to endure hardness. Keeping your eyes on the Lord, because why? He is able. He is able. May you and I, whether a faculty member, whether a pastor, whether a layperson, whether a freshman, whether a senior, whoever it may be, for a child of God, may we be faithful until He comes.